church. If you would, turn with me to the Gospel of John. We're going to be in chapter 8 this morning. And so, as you turn there, I want to tell you a little bit about what's going on in the text. And so, as we're going to be looking at just two verses this morning, and and that doesn't mean you're going to get out early, just by the way. So, so we'll try to rush out. It says, we see that the Jews in this day, they celebrated feast. And we all, as Baptists, we love feast, right? And so you invite us to it, we'll probably be there. And so in Jesus' day, Jews celebrate a certain feast. And, Jew, and, and even today, some of the Orthodox Jews still celebrate these certain feasts. And so the purpose these feasts had were to remember how God had interacted with his people. And so you may be familiar with the story of Passover. And so there was another feast that was very important to the Jewish people. It was a feast called the Feast of Booths. It's called the Feast of Booths because during this feast, the Jews would live in these little tents made out of palm leaves as a way of remembering how God's faithfulness had delivered them through the journey, through uh, the wilderness, into the promised land back in the Old Testament. And so in, in, in John chapter 8, there's a lot going on, but this is right before the time, these, during these times these feasts are taking place, Jesus has, is speaking to the Jewish people, and some are believing and some are growing even more angrily at him. But before we read the text, let's pray. Father, I thank you that we can be together today. And Lord, I pray that your word would speak to the hearts of those listening. God, that your word would comfort those who are hurting, bring joy to those who are suffering. God, I pray it would bring direction for those who are searching. And Lord, I thank you that we can worship you today freely, knowing that you are the truth, that your word is true. God, we thank you for who you are and for all that you've done in our lives for sending Jesus down the cross for our sins. And that he rose again. So in his name we pray. Amen. 
If you will, and if you can with me, please stand as we read and honor uh, God's word. John chapter 8, verse 31 through 32, and it says, Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Thank you. You may be seated. As these feasts were celebrating Jerusalem, they were huge affairs, drawing Jews all from all over back to Jerusalem. Jesus, as a lot of times, was often the talk of the people. His enemies and his supporters alike were always trying to figure out exactly who he was and what was his purpose for being here. He was teaching people that he was the Son of God. He was the Messiah that they had been waiting for. He was the true life. The one that life was only found through him. This message divided the people. Some believed him and others felt he should be arrested for spreading lies. It was a tense atmosphere. In this environment, Jesus speaks the words that we just read, knowing that it's going to cause some to be upset. Because anytime you speak truth, there's always going to be someone who may not necessarily like it. So look at our first point this morning. Point number one is to know Jesus. To know Jesus is to follow him. Again, in verse 31, it says, And Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. So Jesus implies an if-then relationship here. If we, we call these conditional statements. All right, this is a condition. And if the condition is satisfied, there is a specific outcome that happens as a result. Jesus is telling the people that someone who, someone who were against him and some who were for him, that there is a way to know him. There is a way to be in relationship with him. There is a way to know the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus says, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples. You see, Jesus puts his word on the same level as that with the fathers. And so that in of itself alone is considered heresy. He, in that alone, people are ready for him to be taken out. He says, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples. There is a condition here. Abiding in Christ as a result brings discipleship. We know what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It means to follow him, to be committed to him, to know and serve him. So what does Jesus mean when he says abide? To abide means, is a verb that means to stay or to remain. It is a picture of sticking with something uh, and something and not leaving it, of being close to with something or someone. This is a relationship Jesus and his disciples are to have with himself and his teaching. Not only do you abide with Christ, but you abide in his word. See, Jesus is making a pretty awesome claim here. He's saying that it is indeed possible to know him. It's impossible to know God, to know the creator of the universe. We can have a relationship with God. And the way that we do this is profoundly simple. We abide and stick with Jesus. We stay with him. We sit in his presence. We attach ourselves to him. We trust him. We believe him. And by doing so, we identify ourselves as his disciples, as his followers. 
If you remember in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, we have the story of Mary and Martha. And in verse 38 through uh, 41, I'll read it to you. It says, while they were traveling, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice. And it will not be taken away from her. See, Mary is abiding. She is listening to Jesus' words. She saw the opportunity to sit at the foot of her Lord and listen to what he had to say. You see, Martha is hearing Jesus, but she's just too distracted by everything that she feels like she needs to get done. She feels like she has to get the house picked up, things clean. She wants to impress Jesus isn't wanting us to impress him. He wants us to listen and be still with him. You can't listen if you're distracted. It's hard to abide in Jesus when your priorities are mixed up. If you ever taught, well, at some point, you know, if you're, you know, 16 or older, maybe your parent has taught you how to, to drive a car, right? And the number one thing they may tell you is don't be distracted. Why? Because you're going to hurt someone or hurt yourself. You're going to veer off. You know, put the phone down while you're driving. Don't text and drive, teenagers, right? And so we see that if we're distracted, we're missing out what is important. And if the things in life are distracting us, we're missing out on what God is trying to say to us. We allow our priorities to be mixed up. And our priorities can be numerous things. And I could name them, but you probably know what they are. You see, the relationship with Jesus changes everything. It is the basis of everything that we know to be true about ourselves and our faith. Without this fundamental relationship with Jesus, we are more than hopeless. You need to know out of the gate that following Jesus is a game changer, prerequisite to experience the kind of freedom that you want and the freedom that you need. So Jesus says it is possible to follow him, and there's more to it. So look at verse 32 with me. It says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And you will know the truth. To know Jesus is to know the truth. Not to know a truth, but to know the truth. You see, if you were to go six chapters later in the Gospel of John, Jesus looks at one of his disciples, Thomas. Thomas gets this rap of being, you know, doubting Thomas. But at the same time, we see he has great faith in Jesus. He just wants to understand what's going on, right? I think that's us at times. We just want to understand. But Jesus isn't always about trying to, us understanding, but it's about faith, trusting him, even when we don't understand what's going on. Thomas was still trying to figure out all this faith stuff. Jesus was talking about how he was going to go back to the Father after his death and resurrection. Thomas was confused and wanted to know how Jesus 
wanted to know how Jesus' disciples could continue to be with him. Thomas wanted to know the way to where Jesus was going. Jesus was going to be with the Father. Thomas wanted to go with Jesus because Jesus was going. See, Jesus replied and said simply, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. So to know Jesus is to know the truth. You know, the absolute, unshakable truth. The truth when it comes to eternity. The truth when it comes to who you are. See, we live in a world where people deny and reject the concept, the concept of absolute truth. The idea that there could be a definite universal set of moral truths that govern all people and all things. Because to affirm that would mean that you, have, you are held responsible. This is ideal for people to want to believe because it allows them to live as they choose and seemingly free from any rules or penalty of their actions. If I believe that I can make it my own truth system, then whatever I do is fair game, no matter what you have to say, no matter what laws are in place. If I want to satisfy any urge that I have, whether that's a physical, sexual, financial, political, and so on, according to what makes sense to me, I should be able to do so. That's the mindset of much of our world today. They live under this idea that I have my truth and you have yours. Now, we don't have time to go into a whole, any, a whole lot of, of you know, talking about uh, some of those things, but it's huge. And there's gaping flaws in the way of this thinking. And the biggest problem with this way of thinking is that Jesus didn't leave any room for it. You see, he didn't say that I am one source of truth or I'm a really good one, so why don't you maybe consider me? But look at your various options. Jesus said, no, I am the truth, the only truth. And to proclaim Jesus as being the only true way for salvation for a person to be with God when they die is to be like Jesus was, is you're going to have enemies. You're going to upset people. When I preached this message before, it was at a youth event, and I got a call or a text later that night saying that, well, we had a, a student there who was Mormon, and she went home and said, well, the, 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 the preacher there said that if, if I don't trust Jesus, then I'm going to hell. And, you know, the other youth pastor handled it because it was his thing, but the reality is that truth is real. The Bible's clear when it comes to salvation, when it comes to eternal life, that if you want to know God, if you want to be with God, it's through Jesus and Jesus alone. See, we can know Jesus, and knowing him empowers our discipleship. And when we know Jesus, we know the truth. But this truth isn't flat or static. It is dynamic and life-changing. And we see how it's life-changing. Look again at verse 32. He says, you will know the truth, not a truth, but the truth. And what? The truth will set you free. It will set you free. As we talked about before, there are absolute statements that are made all the time that do the opposite of setting us free. There are statements made that we can't deny or deflect that pin us down or threaten to crush us but to know Jesus is to be set free you see 
We've probably heard this all before if we ever tried out for a sports team. Or maybe you've had a child who's heard this and, and you didn't really know how to talk to them about it. He says, you know, maybe the coach says you gave a great effort, but there's just not a spot for you on the team. And with that truth, the hopes of making the team are over. And some, for kids, that's crushing. But it doesn't have to be. Perhaps you're in a relationship, young person, teenager, and, and you know, you got someone, they tell you, well, you know what, you know, it's not you, but it's me. I think we'd be better off as friends. You know, and with that troop, the relationship, as you know, is over, and, and that means that you're going to the movies by yourself from now on. And so, or maybe the truth of this statement, I'm sorry, but there's nothing that we can do to stop the cancer. That truth statement prepares you yourself for the loss of a loved one or a friend. I had a pastor this past week. He asked me to pray for him because he was about to counsel with a family who was about to take a loved one off life support. Could you imagine the truth in that moment? This was going to be painful and difficult. See, there are truths that we encounter that do nothing other than that do, that do not set us free, but they're hard realities. But Jesus comes to us with the truth of knowing that he is with us, that he cares for us, that whatever storm we're in, he is in the middle of it with us. He doesn't send us on our way by ourselves, but it's in the middle of the storm that somehow, some way, we are drawn closer to him, and that we experience the truth that God's freedom is freeing. Truth is not relative but absolute. And it's absolutely true that God loves you. It's absolutely true that God is with you and that God cares for you. It's absolutely true that even if your world has been turned upside down, God is there to help you in the midst of it. The truth is, one day we will all pass from here. And Jesus doesn't, if Jesus doesn't come before our time is up, you see, the truth is, we'll either spend an eternity with him in heaven or away from him in hell. The truth is, the determining factor on where we will go is all about whether or not we know Jesus. Do you know Jesus? The true way to heaven is through Jesus. Not to just know of him, but to have a personal relationship with him. In a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. But there is a difference between knowing Jesus and knowing of Jesus. See, you can know someone, know of someone, but never even have met them. And a lot of people today think they know Jesus simply because maybe they grew up in the church. Or maybe they visited the church, maybe on a Christmas or Easter. Or maybe they've been going to church their whole life, but yet they never made that connection to know Jesus personally. See, Jesus is saying here that he is the truth, the absolute truth, and his word brings the truth of who we are. Because if you continue on in John chapter 8, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and they say, well, you know, we have eternal life. We're good. Why? Because we're of the descendants of Abraham. 
And Jesus kind of says, well, that's great, you know, that you're descendants of Abraham, but that really doesn't do anything for you in eternity. It doesn't matter who your parents are. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter your, your rank in uh, society, uh, you know, job-wise, whether you're a CEO or, or, you know, president of the United States or, you know, maybe you serve, uh, you know, in a high school somewhere as a janitor. It doesn't matter. See, Jesus tells the Pharisees, he says, if you were Abraham's children, Jesus told them in verse 39, you would do what Abraham did. What did Abraham do? He had faith. He was a man of righteousness. He says, but now you're trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You're doing what your father does. He says, and then the Pharisees saying, well, we weren't born of sexual immorality, they said. We have one father, God. Jesus goes on to say in verse 42, If God were your father, you would love me, because I came from God and I am here. For I didn't come on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I'm saying? Because you cannot listen to my word. They cannot accept the truth that Jesus was speaking. He goes on to say to them in verse 44, You are, you are of your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not understand and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Who among you can convict me of sin? Jesus asked them. If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? The one who is from God listens to God's words. This is why you don't listen, because you are not from God. Boy, could you imagine what those Pharisees felt when Jesus got done talking to them? Man, they were probably ready to go after him, but they were afraid to because Jesus was in the public. That's why they came and arrested Jesus at night. You see, Jesus is speaking the truth to them, and he's telling them, Yeah, you got a father, but it's not God, he's the devil. And so we got to ask ourselves, is God our father? Because if he's not, then we have the same father as the Pharisees if we have not trusted and believed in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We still have that sinful nature that, you know, we'll have it until the Lord calls us home. And we're going to struggle and we're going to have battles with that sinful, with that flesh, that desire. But scripture shows us that we can overcome sin through Jesus. We can overcome and be victorious of those battles that we face daily because Jesus is victorious. The truth that Jesus is the Son of God and that he took away the sins of the world so that we can know him through his saving faith is the truth that breaks down every wall that holds us back. And I don't know where you're at in your walk with the Lord or what wall has been built up for you to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But the good thing about walls are they can be knocked down. The good thing about walls is you can go around them. The good thing about walls is, you know, as I said, they can be knocked down. They are not there other than for whatever reason that you allow it to be. When you wake up in the morning and you see that person in the mirror does that person know Jesus 
Does that person have a relationship with Jesus? You see, over time, we probably have heard the gospel many times, and, and, and many times, you know, you know, we have friends who share with us or invite us to church. Maybe you're here this morning because a friend invited you or a family member invited you. And again, you've heard this message before, and you may wonder, is there not another message in that book that I need to hear? No, there's not. The only message is that Jesus loves you, he died for you, and he desires to set you free in him. And there's many believers here today who can testify to the freedom that Jesus brings. See, Jesus sets us free from sin. He sets us free from the pressure we put on ourselves to measure up to the world. He sets us free from stress and anxiety. He sets us free from the world's definition of success. Jesus gives us freedom from the pressures we face, the pressures from outside and inside. He does not make our problems go away, but he provides the assurance that in him there is no problem that can overcome us. Why? Because he is with us. That is freedom. That is what Jesus promises, that we can know him, and knowing him is freedom. So no matter what you're going through, the truth is that Jesus loves you and he cares for you, that he will be with you as you go along in this journey in life. There is no greater promise in knowing that when God tells you he will never leave us nor forsake us, that he means it. Because in Titus, it says that God cannot lie, meaning it's not in his character to do so. So, you see, there is something God can't do. He can't lie. It's not possible for him to do so at all. So when he tells you he's not going to leave you nor forsake you, you can hold on to that. And you can just bring that in and, 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 and hold that close. Because there's days where we need that reminder that God is with us. As we continue, if you were to continue on in John chapter 8, we see that the Pharisees and disciples and Jesus, they continue on this conversation. And in verse 57, the Jews replied to Jesus, you aren't 50 years old yet, and you've seen Abraham? Because Jesus says that, I've, I've, I know Abraham. And Jesus replies to, says to him, Truly, I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. And in that moment, it says in verse 59, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus was hidden and went out of the temple because he claimed deity, that he was God. But the same time in verse 58, we can have assurance in knowing before Abraham, Jesus was there. Nothing surprises him whatever's going on in your life it may have surprised us it may have surprised you but it didn't come out of surprise from the Lord the Lord has a plan and the Lord's truth is knowing that he will help you and he will be there for you and he's provided salvation for you through Jesus Christ he's provided comfort and peace that is there for you through Jesus Christ so I don't know what some of you are going through this morning, but some I do. And I want to encourage you 
if you know Jesus, to hold on to him, to know that the freedom that you have in him, brothers and sisters in Christ, is there to last forever. James 5.16 says that if we will confess our sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. And that the prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. So that's for those, if you don't know Jesus, the Bible tells us to confess our sins to one another. And, and brothers and sisters in Christ, if you are struggling with sin, the Bible tells you to confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. And so this altar is opened up today. As Brother Mike comes and Miss Pat begins to play, I want you to think about this. You know, if, if you don't know where you stand in your relationship with Jesus, would you make that decision today to trust him as your Lord and Savior? And if you are a disciple of Jesus, would you remember the peace and the freedom that you have in him? Because it doesn't matter what is going on, knowing that you have Jesus, knowing that he is with you, and he will see you through, is a comfort and peace that is something that no one else can give. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives. And Father, we know that we can easily get distracted like Martha and miss out on what you're saying. But Lord, I pray that we would take the time to sit, be still, and listen to the message of truth, to what it is that you're saying to us. Perhaps it's to know that you love us or that you're there for us, that you care that you're going to walk with us in the midst of the storm. God, perhaps you're calling to some here today for the first time to, to make a decision to trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior, to become a child of God. Father, I just pray if there's anyone here who needs to make that decision, that God, they would make that today before leaving and walking out these doors because we're not promised tomorrow. Lord, I pray for those who are hurting, God, that you would just comfort and, and, Lord, help us to love them in such a way, God, it just reflects you. God, thank you for your grace and mercy. And, Lord, it's in Jesus' name we pray.
ahead and let Miss Rima come up. I just want to remind our church people that we still have some baby bottles that have not yet been returned. I just want to encourage you that it's not too late to put that change into that baby bottle and get it to the church office sometime this week. We'd like to uh, get all of our baby bottles returned to the Life Choices Pregnancy Center so that they can put it to good use for God's glory. Thank you. Also, uh, you may see in your bulletin that uh, there, Pastor Jim will be here tonight. That is not true. He will not. And so there is no evening service tonight, but the youth and, and I will still meet at five in the youth room. And so uh, you're always welcome to join us as we continue on talking about evangelism and missions. And so please feel free. Thank you. All right, just a few quick notes. Uh, next Sunday, we are having a fifth Sunday dinner. Uh, the church is gonna provide uh, fried chicken, chicken fingers and drinks. So we just ask that you bring the sides and the desserts, bring the good stuff. Um, uh, quick note, personnel and stewardship joint committee is going to be rescheduled to the pastors able to be here. So we'll put that out at a later date. Um, camp was a great success. Um, there's going to be a slideshow next week to show you about that. Again, thank you all for supporting uh, those kids to take them to camp. Uh, I'm pretty sure there was a decision made, so that's always a blessing. Uh, so if you guys didn't do what you did, it wouldn't have been possible. So thank you again for that. Um, a few uh, prayer requests and, and just to keep people in your thoughts. Uh, Miss Joe Bates and family with the loss of her sister. Uh, Bob Foglia with the loss of his son. Um, I think Paco's back there, so great to see him. But uh, keep him in your prayers as he continues to heal. Uh, and then, again, the, uh, <clears throat> the Griffin family. Keep them in your prayers. Uh, and then uh, Pastor Jim and the Thames as they travel. Uh, if you will, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, one more. Sounds like he's going to be handing out mics, so be ready. All right, if you will, go to the Lord with me in prayer. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this day, Lord. I just thank you for bringing us all to this house this morning to worship you, Lord. Uh, just, just be with the ones that are hurting right now, Lord. There's, there's so much going on right now that, that only you can provide the comfort that's needed at this time. Just put your blessing arms around them, Lord. Keep them safe. Keep them comfort as much as possible. Just go with us now throughout this week. Let us be that shining light for you. And just forgive me, I failed you. Amen. Amen.